Hey there, everybody, and welcome to the Cinema Drip Podcast, the podcast where we need movies like we need our coffee. As always, I am Scott Lentz. He's Christian Ubius. Wow, I said that differently. It's unintentional, because normally I say my good friend and co-host, Christian Ubius. And if there's anything to attest to my scattered mental state, it's that Christian, today is Monday, the day after Oscars Sunday, and I think I'm still shaken up. (laughs) It wasn't. It was, this was an award ceremony. It sure was, Christian. (laughs) I am sure that for those of you out there who are not big Oscars fans, but do enjoy the show, you You still still know. know. You still know what went down at the Oscars. So we will spend some time addressing the controversy from Will Smith and Chris Rock's interaction. Is it controversy? It was just something wrong that happened. What was controversial about it? I guess we'll talk about the controversy then. And otherwise, we will spend more time talking about the actual ceremony and then the the movies that won awards. And I would so much rather focus there because to me... We'll get to the we'll get you to that situation, like this ceremony. but I will say no. To me, the ceremony was a bit of a disaster, and I want to know your thoughts, Christian. Because I liked it. There you go. So I mean, let's do this letter grade wise. I we were texting with some friends. I gave this ceremony a a D basically in terms of a letter grade. What would you give it? Probably like a B minus. A B minus. Maybe a C plus. I'm stunned. <laughs> You're grading on a very gentle curve. <laughs> okay. Okay. I, there were hosts. Literally, even when movies were at the center of culture, which is something we listen to podcasts and repeat on this show and complain about that there aren't enough people who are watching movies. Long for those days. They did the exact same thing as it did yesterday. They had hosts who would do cheesy jokes. The only difference is that more people had seen movies. There is absolutely nothing different about the ceremony that they did yesterday. There's actually a significant amount that they did different about the ceremony yesterday, and that's what was so disappointing. Okay. I, I actually, for the most part, didn't mind the hosts. I think Amy Schumer, Wanda well, Sykes, she was funny. and Regina Hall all acquitted themselves out well, and everything that went wrong I didn't seem Regina to be... I think Regina Hall was... I, I wasn't the biggest fan. And I would say, I, she is a person who was widely beloved, and I feel like a lot of these bits were ill-conceived from the writers of the Oscars. It's yes. hard to blame the hosts. They're kind of the, the fall person. The execution wasn't... The- the execution yes. wasn't there. But I was a little bit nervous about Amy Schumer. I was never I never was a fan of hers. I never really was anti-Amy Schumer, but she was pretty funny. So was Wanda Sykes. The things that did not go well to me, for example, would be some of the celebrity presenters they had. So they did a montage celebrating 60 years of James Bond, but they had Tony Hawk, Sean White, and Kelly Slater introduce that. When there's multiple Bond actors there's who are living. Daniel Craig. Who, who just was in this movie. Would have been That was nominated for Oscars. Okay, what I'm saying that there's nothing different between the ceremony is that they were making stupid decisions 10 years ago. They were making Absolutely. stupid decisions 20 years ago, 30 Absolutely. years ago. I, I'm, I'm not here to say the Oscars have, or the Academy and the producers of the show have never made poor decisions. What I was saying is that there was an accumulation of poor decisions. And it starts with leaving eight categories off the show in the name of cutting time and then running longer than you did last year. And it continues with some of these poorly executed bits and jokes and montages and it ends of course with the thing that nobody could have seen coming that just cast a pall over the whole evening so okay okay we'll get the viewership numbers go down or go up we don't know yet we don't know yet but guess (laughs) guess if i had to guess i actually i i couldn't wager a guess because this they had to have gone up 
I, I think that was widely believed, though, that the, that the views were going to go up no matter what from last year. Partially because this year we had movies in theaters again that people had seen more regularly. Last year was a heavy emphasis on streaming-only films. And Will Smith, for two reasons, made these viewer, viewing numbers go up. One, because Will Smith won and is beloved everywhere. Right. And two, because Will Smith slapped Chris Rock. So let's let's get to that. If you somehow live under a rock and missed it, Chris Rock came out to present the award for best documentary feature. In doing so, made some jokes at people's expense. One of those people being Jada Pinkett Smith, who is, of course, married to Will Smith. And he made a joke about her hair. And what I did not know until this all unfolded is that she has alopecia, which is a condition that means you cannot grow hair back. And so she has shaved her head recently to you know, kind of raise awareness for her disease and also become more comfortable with it. And she and Will, maybe perhaps mostly Will, took that personally. And of course, it caused Will to get on stage and not just directly address Chris Rock, but open face smack him. And the broadcast had to go silent, muted for 10 to 15 seconds because he was also screaming once he returned to his seat, keep your wife's or my wife's name out of your effing mouth. And this would have been bad enough if he did not get up back on stage 15 minutes later and accept the award for best actor in a leading role and give a very tearful speech. Which so Christian might have been, I'm so sorry, might ahead. have been just one of the worst speeches because it was not, not like badly written, but just so uncomfortable. Because Extremely uncomfortable. He kept talking about love and we were watching this together at, at my Oscars party and all of us are like, open mouth gaping at are you are you really saying these things right now is this a joke because part of it sounded like it was coming like he was making a joke out of the situation which leads some to still believe this was an extended bit yeah he he was trying to he tried to tie it back into the fact that he portrayed richard williams who was famous for obviously defending venus and serena williams and shepherding their careers from a young age and much of his performance also featured Richard doing that very thing, sometimes physically taking on punches from neighborhood kids who were mocking the family or getting involved in their career and trying to protect them. But it, it, it was a very, very hard line to walk in. I don't think he managed himself well. there's a difference between protecting your children from people who want to do them harm in Compton and attacking a presenter at the Academy Awards. Right. And so, uh, Christian, I'm not sure if you've landed or taken a side. I, I think there's a lot of nuance to this situation, especially when you consider the history of the relationship between Jada Smith and Chris Rock, where he previously insulted her. I made a joke about her from the Oscar stage when he hosted a few years back. And so maybe there are things going on in the background that we have not seen. I think I did see someone uh, on social media today describe it as Will Smith's actions were completely inexcusable, yet totally understandable. And a lot of the conversation has been, as uh, that sort of pro-Will Smith has been wrapped up in the way that a, a black man stood up for his black wife and put his put his reputation on the line for a black woman. And yet on the other side, you do have people who have also said he made that moment about himself because Jada did not lean over and tell Will, go hit that man. And we have no idea what Jada could have wanted because the situation is now about Will and Chris, even though she's the person who ostensibly was offended by this joke. Believe it or not, Will Smith is the person I'm least mad at. Because you slapping someone for insulting your wife. I, 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 I heard someone say these things happen. And as terrible as that sounds, I can understand someone slapping an individual for making fun of their wife. I get that. The thing that I hate the most 
is that the producers did not kick Will Smith out. Not that I necessarily wanted Will Smith to get kicked out, but the reason he was still in that room was because people knew he was going to win an Oscar in 15 minutes. Yes. And that is what made me the most uncomfortable, that we are sacrificing everything for the risk of ratings. Uh, yeah, I I honestly, I felt bad because Will Smith, before this moment, had mostly a universal approval rating. He's been a beloved movie star for over 30 years from his days as a rapper and an actor on The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. So this had been a long time coming. And this moment that should have been his one of the proudest nights of his career has been inalterably affected by his choice to react in that way. And so I would rather move on from this because I think there's so much more that's good to talk about. Is there anything you want to you want to add to sort of wrap this this piece of the discussion up? I do think it was irresponsible some of the things he said in that speech. And this is yeah. why because he was talking with Denzel Washington after the fact and Denzel Washington said that sometimes in your highest moment the devil comes for you. And as soon as he said that, everyone in this auditorium started applauding him. And I'm kind of thinking, are we, is this, is this really what's going on right now? I mean, I mean, I can understand that and moving on from that, but this isn't like a, he's reflecting back on something he's done weeks or months or years ago. This is, this just happened. Yeah. I don't think there was remorse there. I, 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 I <laughs> so I, it, it, it just, uh, Oh man, I don't. I, I I've taken a side. I think it was wrong. Like I I think that exploiting Will Smith and Chris Rock in this for ratings is wrong, and I think that that's what happened. I, to be fair, to exploit them for ratings in a way, I think you had to have planned for this, and I, the making keeping him in the room. Who knows? I'm not gonna make a judgment call on that. I can't imagine how difficult that would have been trying to run a TV show that had been going very uh, <laughs> poorly before that. So. Who knows? But now, Christian, let us get to the actual ceremony, the actual awards that were handed out, because thankfully, amidst the controversy and the chaos, the Oscars did still award the best of the year in a number of categories. Some movies went home happy, some went home sad, but Christian, first, I want to touch briefly on some of the -the below-the-line categories. These, of course, eight of which were awarded before the ceremony and cut back into into there i know that you had a chance to check out some of the short films anyone that you want to quickly shout out as a recommendation for people if they did not see any of them um please hold is on hbo max it did not win best live action um short film but pretty good honestly about a futuristic world where a man gets arrested and uh, uh, is doesn't know what he's arrested for and the computers won't tell him what robin robin is kind of a very pleasant uh aardman animated movie and Queen of Basketball is just very endearing. Yeah, Three Songs for Benazir was... It's interesting. It's very interesting. I'd be surprised. To, I, I, I would want to hear what other people said, but those are the only four I checked out. Yeah, Queen of Basketball winning for Best Documentary Short and Robin Robin nominated in Animated. And what was the other one you mentioned? Uh, Three Songs for Benazir and Please Hold. Both of those are... No, Three Songs for Benazir is um, Documentary Short. And uh, please hold his live action. I myself did not get to see any of the shorts, so I will take those under advisement. I am definitely curious to see The Long Goodbye, which got Riz Ahmed an Oscar after he was nominated for his acting last year in Sound of Metal, and The Queen of Basketball, which of course won. Aside from the short films nominated, we also had one film majorly win big in these categories, which of course is Dune, which 
won six Oscars tonight, and I wouldn't blame you if you, or last night, and I wouldn't blame you if you did not feel the momentum of all of that because four of the six were handed out before the ceremony even started. But Dune, of course, did win in Best Sound, Best Cinematography, Best Film Editing, Best Visual Effects, and Best Original Score. So, Christian... I know you weren't the biggest fan of Dune, and we got into that in great detail on this here podcast. I myself was very happy with most of these wins. I think in a lot of those areas, there are there were some worthy competitors for sure. I know the best original score category, in my opinion, was pretty stacked this year. And I, I also did quite enjoy the Cinematography Awards. Again, five great films nominated in that category. So anything in those in the dune winning categories that you wanted to shout out where you felt there would have been a more worthy winner for a film over a film that you did not quite enjoy best score is uh, wonderful i mean i loved hans's score here as much as i am not a fan of this movie i also say look i love great production when the story isn't there i don't care about the production and i felt like the story wasn't there i will say i actually think this is a very poorly edited movie Poorly edited. Interesting. Yes. I, I don't think it went from section to section seamlessly. And I mean, how much of that would you relate to the the actual act of editing the film versus the writing? Did you have more problems I mean, with the two... structure of the screenplay or the actual editing of the film? I mean, I think that they kind of go hand in hand. I have much more problems with the screenplay, but I think that the editing also didn't do a great job of shifting from one mode to the next. I, I'm not the best judge of film editing, and we've talked about that previously on this show. I think there are some, sometimes the Oscars do award a movie that has the most editing. So a movie like Don't Look Up, also nominated this year, Adam McKay's style is very much about the most editing, and you can see why Hank Corwin was nominated there. I think they're recognizing Dune as obviously technically well-made film and trying to get the right amount of momentum, I think, for some sure. of these action scenes going into them and out of them. And otherwise, I'm not sure of the specifics about the editing category, I can't speak too too intelligently about it there. In terms of other below-the-line winners, Dune actually did not win them all, of course, because it lost Best Makeup and Hairstyling to the eyes of Tammy Faye and Best Costume Design to Cruella. I gotta say, I was pleased with both of those wins. I, I enjoy those categories because the people who win in them are always fun when they win their Oscars. They're always pleasant, and it's fun to see those collaborators get to shout out their co-stars and talk a little bit about their process. I enjoyed the costumes in Cruella, very ostentatiously costumed movie. And the same can be said for the eyes of Tammy Faye. Shout out to Jessica Chastain, who made a point of being in the, the Dolby theater early to watch her collaborators win that award. And so she was able to give them a hug as they went on stage. So anything you wanted to shout out for those two categories, Christian? Uh, not really. No, I mean, I, I agreed with the costumes for Cruella I kind of wish House of Gucci had one for makeup, I'm not going to lie. And I think that I, I liked the makeup in House of Gucci. In recognition of Jared Leto's obvious snub for <laughs> House of Gucci and the makeup that made him look so goofy. <laughs> My goodness. Moving on, Christian, into some other categories here. Best international film went to Drive My Car. I don't think that was a surprise. I know that we both enjoy The Worst Person in the World. You a yes. little bit more than me. Did you get a chance to see any of these others? Actually, I know we both quite liked Flea. Flea was... Lovely. Flea is a great movie. People Flea. need to check that out. It's on Hulu. I agree. Flea, the first movie ever nominated for Best International Feature Film, Documentary Feature Film, and Animated Feature Film all at the same time. One of my favorites of the year. You might remember from our top 10 of 2020. Would definitely recommend that you check it out. Any thoughts on The Hand of God or Lunana, A Yak in the Classroom? I haven't seen either. 
<laughs> Alas, the yak will have to wait. Best animated feature, of course, went to Encanto. I do have to say I was disappointed about this, not because I think Encanto is a bad movie, but only because I enjoyed Riding the Last Dragon, Flea, and especially the Mitchells vs. the Machines more. I was disappointed to, not to see Mitchells go home with the award. Any thoughts and feelings on this category, Christian? I, I It wasn't the strongest for me this year. Normally, I feel like I like one or two much more, but I'd say that Flea is probably my favorite out of them. There you go. Uh, definitely an interesting category this year because, of course, Disney won, as they often do, and three of the five nominated were Disney films, but even those Disney films were a little bit different than a lot of their standard fare, where, of course, Encanto is set in Colombia and features a almost entirely uh, Spanish-speaking... Uh, I guess, what would be the proper word? I don't want to speak out of turn. Would you say Latina... Latino-Latina cast? I mean, yeah. I, I don't know what word you're looking for. Like, uh, It's a Spanish-speaking cast yeah, of, so. of, of there Latino you go. There actors. You go. Yeah. Let me take my foot out of my mouth. Luca, of course, much more of a, a hangout-style vibe, and Ryan the Last Dragon, Asian-inspired, of course. I liked all of those, but interesting category regardless. So now let's get into mostly the meat of the ceremony here. We have, of course, the four acting or races, the directing, and the writing, and finally, Best Picture. So... Best Original Screenplay, Christian. Went to Belfast for Kenneth Branagh. I, myself, did not think that was a worthy win for Mr. Branagh, although I do quite like him. <laughs> what do you think? I like the, the script. I'm not upset that he won. I mean, look, I like Belfast. Is it my favorite screenplay of the year? No. No. I, 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 I don't think so. But... I, I don't know. There, sometimes I get mad when a movie wins, and I've never been on the Belfast hate train, which a lot of people are. I think both you and me liked that movie and thought it was it was fine. It was good. I'm not, I don't regret seeing it. Right, but in 20 years, when I look back at the 2021 Oscars, I'm not going to be like, oh, it's a travesty that Belfast won Best Original Screenplay. <laughs> yeah, some people did have that reaction, and I just did not feel as strongly... I would have gone a different direction, but Kenneth Branagh's a great guy. He's been in Hollywood for a very long time. Good job, sir. Numerous Oscar nominations. And to be to be fair, he did create a couple memorable moments in that movie from his writing, from his you know, transposing of memory to film. So The writing, I think, go. is the strongest part of that movie. There you go. That's, that's Belfast. Best Adapted Screenplay. This is one of my favorite moments of the night, Christian. Not because of who won, but because you and me looked at each other in a crowded room and said, well, that's it then. Coda won Best Picture. Coda won Best Picture after they won this award. Because it beat Power of the Dog, which was largely the frontrunner. I mean, what else? The Lost Daughter, sure. Lost Daughter had picked up steam. But when Coda won, it meant that people liked it much more so than anything else that was considered prestige Right. And if you if you follow Oscar prognosticators at all, or you get into predicting nominations and winners of awards, a lot of people who do that professionally, said that if Coda was going to win Best Picture, it would need to take home more than just Best Supporting Actor for Troy Kotzer, and it would need to win this award as well. So a lot of people said if it goes Coda, then it's going Coda for Best Picture. If it goes another direction, then the race is still on and we'll see who wins. So I do have to say, I am pretty disappointed here because I don't think the strength of Coda is necessarily its screenplay. Some people came out strongly against it, and again, I don't think it's a bad screenplay. I just think that in terms of what else was there? There were better options. And I was pulling for the power of the dog. So more specifically, I think that is a much better just screenplay than Coda offered. Dune was there. Um, Drive My Car was there. Yeah, and then The Lost, Lost Daughter, Daughter, which you mentioned, and The Power of the Dog. And the Power of the Dog. Okay. 
I would say with the exception of Drive My Car, I do think the screenplay for Coda is better than the other three. I I I will save getting big mad about Coda for later. I will say I'm sad that that more of the acting in Coda didn't get more love because that is what makes that movie so beloved. It's the the people and the and the performances they gave. I disagree because what is the thing? Now look, Coda to me is not in the same tier or something like Ferris Bueller's Day Off or The Breakfast Club, which are two teen movies that I love. And and I honestly think are among some of the greatest movies of the 80s. Absolutely. But the thing that makes those memorable, yes, it is like the Matthew Broderick performance and it is the it, it, it is the overall feel of the movie, but it's because of the story. Like we remember Matthew Broderick going into the parade and the reason we remember that is because it's a great concept and the way that that concept comes forward, it comes forward is through the screenplay. And that is what happened in Coda. I remember Troy Kotzer touching his daughter's vocal strings. I remember um, her and uh, the guy that she likes jumping off of the cliff onto the lake. And these are moments that had to be concepts. And so, yes, you know, it's a story that we fall in love with because of the screenplay. I think another part of this is that, of course, this is an adapted category. And for many people, they may not have known that Coda was even adapted from a French film with a similar concept. And one thing that I did read, and I can't speak to it to in too much detail personally because I am not familiar with any of the source material here except for the portion of Dune that I've read. And apparently, in terms of actually adapting a book or a film or a short story and then making it into a movie, Coda also seemed to be the weakest adaptation. Whereas The Power of the Dog added layers to uh, an interesting semi-autobiographical novel. The Lost Daughter took, again, a novel and did something new with it, created, changed the ending. Dune adapted a nigh-unadaptable source text into the first part of and what will hopefully be an epic movie. Still unadaptable. And, well, you're clearly wrong in that. And then Drive My Car took a short story and made it a three-hour epic about grief. So... But is it is it who was able to adapt the best or what the best screenplay is and that just happened to be adapted? And I mean, I think it's a little bit of both in this category. And that's just how I interpret it. Because maybe it's just the best screenplay for a movie that is adapted. And that's a perfectly fair interpretation, too. Yeah. And I'm sure there are Academy voters who look at it through a different... They one of those two looked lists. at it that way for right. it to win. And, yeah, I just think that there are... I think not only adaptation aside, I preferred other scripts here, but what can you do? Moving on now, uh, Christian, we'll get to the acting. I do want to quickly go through Best Director then, because of course Jane Campion did win The Power of the Dog's only Oscar for her directing here in this film, otherwise beating out Kenneth Branagh for Belfast, Ryosuke Hamaguchi for Drive My Car, Paul Thomas Anderson for Licorice Pizza, and Steven Spielberg for West Side Story. Was Paul Thomas Anderson even at the ceremony? I don't, he was. I don't think the camera cut to him once. I think it cut to him, and he's uh, partnered with Maya Rudolph. I think it cut to them exactly one time, maybe two. <laughs> I saw them. I know I saw them on screen, but that's about it. I just saw them, which is kind of insane considering that Licorice Pizza was nominated for, what was it, six or seven Oscars and didn't win any of them, of course, but it, it barely felt like that movie was there. <laughs> uh, yeah. Even uh, so, Jane Campion did, of course, win. So I was pleased with that, obviously. I mentioned I was pulling for The Power of the Dog. What did you think, Christian? From that batch, would you have chosen her? Would you have gone a different direction? I like The Power of the Dog quite a bit. I'm okay with her winning. I'm not, like, pulling in a different direction. I'm happy that she won. Was she my number one choice? I don't think so. I think I would have preferred Hamaguchi to win. 
but it, it, it's like cool you know great yeah i i will say something that uh people who are optimistic and like to live on the sunny side of life are pointing out some of the small wins that came despite the arguably poor choices this ceremony made in terms of entertainment or the will smith and chris rock situation a lot of people are pointing to many of the wins that are continuing to represent the academy's uh, push towards diversity whether it be some of the acting folks that we'll talk about next or jane campion becoming uh the third woman to win for best director and now that means that in back-to-back years a woman has gone home with this award and obviously coda won best picture which means in back-to-back years a a movie written and directed by a woman has one best picture. This has never happened in the history of the Oscars. It's been 94 ceremonies. <laughs> and before this, only Catherine Bigelow had won. It was before Nomadland, I should say. Catherine Bigelow had won for The Hurt Locker, and that would be one best picture yeah. as well. And so it is exciting to see the Academy obviously giving awards where awards are due. And I think campion deserved this award it makes me excited to look at more of her films because i still have not seen more beyond the power of the dog and this is a great crop of directors i wouldn't have put kenneth branagh there but i think everybody else is there deservedly because it, it it's like look it, it she probably she wasn't my number one choice but there's like a threshold where if you cross this threshold i'm not upset if you win i wholeheartedly agree with that christian and you and i have talked about this too and that you and i are both the movie fans that we are today partially because of the oscars because for you, it was seeing Birdman win Best Picture, this movie that blew your mind, that you completely fell in love with, and it won Best Picture, and Best Director, and Best Original Screenplay, and all the other awards that it won. And it expanded your mind about what is out there in terms of movies. It, it gave you a drive to write your move, own movies someday and become a bigger fan of film. And for me, getting I, I was always a fan of movies growing up, but starting to watch the Oscars and follow along with who won the awards turned me on to different types of movies and it made me want to know more about the history of the Oscars and the people who won them. And so, of course, there there is to some degree a competitive aspect that's maybe a little crass and you want to pull for your favorites to win awards, even if, of course, you've been following along in the award races and you know that it's not going to win that category. But I think to, to some degree, if you love the Oscars, you get to that threshold that you just talked about, where even though you would have gone a different direction, you're still happy that this yeah. person won. And I feel that way about pretty much every acting race <laughs> for the most part. So let's let's get to those acting races. And we'll start the way the Academy did with supporting actress. Going to Ariana DeBose for West Side Story, as many had predicted. Otherwise nominated were Jesse Buckley for The Lost Daughter, Judy Dench for Belfast, Kirsten Dunst for The Power of the Dog, and Anjanou Ellis for King Richard. Uh, Christian, we, we've joked about how Judy Dench maybe didn't deserve to be there. Much love and respect to Dame Judy Dench. <laughs> But I otherwise think this is a pretty solid crop of nominees. What did you think? I think Katrina Bell should have been here. Think what you want about Belfast. I do think that she should have been in this running. And honestly, based on the five nominees that we got, I think I would have really, really wanted Anjanou Ellis to win. I was pretty sure she wasn't going to because Ariana DeBose has been like sweeping. sweeping the awards. Yeah, But I, I mean, look... I'm not a fan of the new West Side Story. <laughs> Which, I mean, we've not talked about at all to this point. So for those of you who are West Side Story heads, be warned. I, I think it takes everything that was emotional about the first West Side Story and gets rid of it. And, and, and that that's what I don't like. So, you know, I, I think that they made decisions with Anita's character that I'm not a fan of. But, you know, Ariana DeBose is talented. 
not like upset. <laughs> she has had an incredible career, and I, <laughs> she, she started on the reality show So You Think You Can Dance, which it was like American Idol for dance. If you never watched that show, and not only did she not win the season that she was on, she was kicked out in the first round. She was one of the first people eliminated from that show. And she has gone on to an incredible young career, not only appearing in the ensemble for the original Broadway cast of Hamilton, but also receiving a Tony Award nomination for her role in the Donna Summer, Donna Summer musical, and now being a freaking Oscar winner <laughs> this early on in her career. And of course, the Academy does love to award the ingenue performance in these uh, some of these acting categories. So I really sincerely hope that Ariana DeBose gets to stay around because whatever you think of her performance in the movie, she herself is like a burst of light and a burst of joy in Hollywood and in movies and TV, wherever you see her. I also quite liked her, liked her in Schmigadoon, which is an Apple TV <laughs> streaming series. So shout out to Ariana DeBose. Also started the night off really well. She gave a great speech. Of course, moving on to Best Supporting Actor, another worthy winner here. Troy Cotter. Troy Kotzer for Coda. Otherwise nominated were C.R. and Hins for Belfast, Jesse Plemons for The Power of the Dog, J.K. Simmons for Being the Ricardos, and Cody Smith-McPhee. Cody Smith-McPhee! Also for The Power of the Dog. Love Christian, you. you do love Cody Smith-McPhee, which I'm somewhat surprised by, because I know you liked The Power of the Dog, weren't totally taken by it, but you've really been on the Cody Smith-McPhee train. I don't... I don't know what it is, but I think his performances are so subtle that they draw you in. He's like the... Well, I, um, I mean, that's why he was nominated this year. Yes, his his yes. performance in The Power of the Dog is so arresting because you keep leaning in on what this weirdo is doing. And then when it ends where it does, you are a little bit blown away. Because he's the most unthreatening character ever. <laughs> right. Helped by the fact that he is probably, what, six foot two? Something like that. He's really tall. He's my height, yeah. And a hundred pounds. <laughs> he is a spindly guy. But of course, Troy Kotsur did win this award, and just an exciting win. Obviously, the first deaf actor to win in this category, only the second deaf actor to ever win an Oscar after his co-star Marley Matlin won for Children of a Lesser God years ago. And the fact that they got to be together in this movie, I it just it's cool to me. You love these little moments where they happen, where people kind of get to share in these history-making moments together when people who've been on the same vanguard, as you can say. And so Marley Matten has obviously had a long and great career, and now she get, gets to celebrate another collaborator of hers winning an award on this stage. So just super cool to see that. And again, is there anybody out there who dislikes Troy Kotzer? Anyone? Anyone, Christian? Not if they have a heart. <laughs> He just seems like an excellent guy. And again, gave an excellent speech. Just so good. Saturday I was like, should I watch The Hand of God or should I rewatch Coda? And I rewatched Coda. And it was worth it. <laughs> there you go. Um, again, weird category. I, I love Jesse Plemons as an actor. He, no, no, not in this movie. I, I like him a lot in this movie. I, I Although I think I there are other ways I would have gone and definitely would have gone other ways for J.K. Simmons, who again... I, I will never not have been here. Yeah, I'm sorry. I will quite literally never be disappointed by J.K. Simmons until he murders a guy or maybe slaps someone on stage at the Oscars. But uh, again, not an awards-worthy performance here. I'm not sure why the Academy went this way. There were a number of folks that I would have put into this category outside of those two. I mean, even C.R. and Hints. Again, much love for the guy. He's an all-timer. Great to see him get an Oscar nomination this late into his career. But what can you do? Sort of a uh, a weird category. 
Now, moving on, Christian, to Best Actress. Of course, Jessica Chastain winning for The Eyes of Tammy Faye. Also nominated were Olivia Coleman for The Lost Daughter, Penelope Cruz for Parallel Mothers, Nicole Kidman for Being the Ricardos, and Kristen Stewart for Spencer. I will say this was, just on the whole, one of my favorite categories this year. I quite liked all of these performances, except Nicole Kidman's, only because I just didn't like that movie as much as the rest. But I wasn't even too angry at her being nominated. Maybe there were other people I would have put there. But even so, just a really strong category. I would have been happy, really, no matter who won, outside of maybe Nicole Kidman and Christian. To the best of my knowledge, you have the exact opposite take. I did not like this category except for Nicole Kidman. <laughs> I love Nicole Kidman, and I think that what she was doing and how she was able to command the room in that, and it just showed that power in that movie, was amazing. That being said, Lady Gaga was snubbed. I'm I'm sorry. <laughs> I am so sorry, except I'm not because Shout for some reason she was not nominated. And when I think back on it, I don't like House of Gucci. Or, or maybe I think it's fine and nothing more. But Lady Gaga was incredible in that movie. Think what you want. I think Lady Gaga is, is the best part of that movie. I would agree. And to be fair, you know, it's hard to get inside the minds of Oscar voters and figure out how the sausage gets made here because that is often a type of performance that they reward. Somebody who is portraying a real-life person, who gets a ton of moments to go really big with their acting, who's doing some sort of physical transformation, and I, I she seems to meet all the criteria, plus she campaigned super hard <laughs> for the nomination. So I, I'm not sure what went wrong there. But uh, of course, you do look at these other performers, and you have Jessica Chastain, who won on her third nomination, so somebody who had kind of been building towards this, doing the same thing physical transformation and in a movie portraying a real character olivia coleman who's kind of the new meryl streep in that she's going to get nominated all the time these days and she sneezes they're going to give her an award and she's excellent so i'm not complaining penelope cruz an oscar winner and we saw parallel mothers before the ceremony i think i, I liked it more than you did it's not a great movie I, I I don't know if I would call it a great movie, but I did quite like it, and I did like Penelope Cruz in it. And so I was I was surprised that she was nominated, but also not mad, because she, like Olivia Colman, I mean, she's playing a completely original character for the screen. Olivia Colman is adapting a character from a novel, and everybody else is playing a real-life figure. So I'm happy that Penelope Cruz is there. Kristen Stewart, I know you didn't like, but kind of fun to see her get nominated uh, as right as Robert Pattinson she is. She looked great. She looked great. <laughs> she looked great. But yeah, so fun to see her getting an Oscar nomination as Pattinson is back on top of the world as Bruce Wayne in The Batman. So all in all, a pretty decent category. What'd you make of Jessica Chastain winning? We didn't really, I didn't get your side on that yet. I, I, I don't know. I mean, sure. But are we really going to look back on Jessica Chastain's career? And honestly, I don't really care. Do we really look at 2021 and think that one of the shining moments of 2021 was Jessica Chastain's portrayal of Tammy Faye in the eyes of Tammy Faye? And I don't think that's true. I, I mean, I, I liked it. But again, I think that's a fair point. And I will say, again, the Oscars don't always capture these perfect zeitgeist performances. What they do often capture is people who make these kinds of performances we're talking about who campaign super hard for their awards, which is exactly what Jessica Chastain did. And often people like her are not given awards for their best performances. They are given awards later. So <laughs> I'm sure Jessica Chastain will continue to be involved in these types of movies and involved in these types of conversations. At least I hope so, because she's wonderful. So... No complaints from me, although, you know, maybe not the right movie for her. Moving on to Best Actor, of course, Will Smith awkwardly did go on to win for King Richard. 
And Javier Bardem was nominated for being the Ricardo's Benedict Cumberbatch for The Power of the Dog, Andrew Garfield for Tick, Tick, Boom, and Denzel Washington for The Tragedy of Macbeth. Another relatively strong category. I uh, I wouldn't say I wasn't a fan of Bardem. I just wouldn't have had him in this. Similar to J.K. Simmons, I think they both give good performances, but I wouldn't say they were among the best of the year. But what did you make of this category, Christian? It was fine. I mean, I'll, I I maybe this is my hot take. I wasn't the biggest fan of Cumberbatch in Power of the Dog. Boo. I... You know who I would have liked to have on here? Who? Adam Driver from House of Gucci. I, look, I would have had Adam Driver all over the place. Best, uh, in Best Actor or Best Supporting Actor for The Last Duel, I would have had my guy up there. Would, would I be mad about him being here for friggin' Annette, a movie that I hated? No, I didn't really, I didn't hate it, I strongly disliked. No, wouldn't have been mad about that either. Adam Driver, man, poor guy, got ripped off. Well, I mean, he, no, this is a man who's gonna come back and win an Oscar eventually. Absolutely, absolutely. But I don't, I don't have any, I, I... I just feel weird about the category after the Will Smith thing. I do too. And it's a shame because we should have been here celebrating the fact that one of the best movie stars we ever got won his first Oscar finally for a movie that, while it's maybe not his best or most iconic performance, is not a bad movie and a pretty solid performance. It's a very, very good performance. Yeah. So I will say a lot of people came out anti Tick, Tick, Boom. I quite liked Tick, Tick, Boom. I liked Tick, Tick, Boom. <laughs> I loved Andrew Garfield Andrew in Tick, 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 Boom. Was great in Tick, so. Tick, Boom. Andrew Garfield just had a great year. Not just being in Tick, Tick, Boom and getting an Oscar nomination, but also arguably being the best part of Spider-Man Away Home. So good job, Andrew Garfield. Um, I did catch up with the tragedy of Macbeth just to see Denzel's performance. And I've got to say, I, I liked him a lot. Denzel can, uh, can recite the hell out of Shakespeare. So, moving on to Best Picture. Of course, the nominees were Belfast, Don't Look Up, Drive My Car, Dune, King Richard, Licorice Pizza, Nightmare Alley, and The Power of the Dog, and West Side Story. But, of course, Coda went home with the big prize, upsetting, arguably, some of the other nominees, and going a perfect three for three, winning all of the awards it was nominated for, the fewest since 1932, when Grand Hotel was was nominated for Best Picture and won Best Picture out of its that was its only award, only nomination. Take that to your bar trivia night next time. I'm sure they'll talk about it at some point with Coda winning here. So, Christian, I I gotta say, as for Coda winning this award, I I want to hear from you first because I think you're a bigger Coda fan than me. Although I I do like the movie, I have no major qualms with the movie. So, Christian, how did you feel when Coda won Best Picture? I was happy. It is not my favorite movie out of the nominees. However, it is, I find more people who like and genuinely love Coda than I do who love almost any of the, any of the other movies except for maybe Dune. And that is something to me, that a feel-good movie wins, that, that a movie about, I don't know, overcoming the simple things in life, like going off to college and being being told this way being told so sweetly wins and and not pretentious at all i can understand some of the arguments for belfast being pretentious sure but just the the i don't know the how small this movie is i know that i know that the whole thing has been that apple is not an underdog and they campaign the hell out of this movie it's a bizarre problem because but, coda itself is such an underdog indie movie but apple of course bought it but, and campaigned it but it's not like Look, one of the movies Apple's putting out this year is Killers of the Flower Moon, which is directed by Martin Scorsese and stars Leonardo DiCaprio. Among, like, others in a large cast. (laughs) If that movie wins next year, that's not an underdog movie. It's got big names all around backed by a major streaming service. 
Who's the big name in this movie, in, in CODA? Marley Matlin? Marley Matlin is the biggest name in CODA. Yeah, Oscar winner Marley Matlin, Oscar man. Oscar winner Marley Matlin. And this movie managed to win, which means that people in the Academy were like, we like what they did here. And I've never, look, to me, the Academy Awards have always been about celebrating movies, and I am glad that this movie got celebrated. I don't think that it is their responsibility to make a museum. I don't think it is their responsibility to be like, cool, in 20 years we're going to look back and this is going to be the most rewatchable movie of the year. I don't think so. And one of the things that I always like defend the Oscars for when there are tons of nominees that some people love and some people hate is that it's a diverse group of people with different interests and different tastes and the diversity of nominees and our view of their talents are always represented there. So you know what? I'm happy Coda won. I'm happy that this small movie won. Yeah, I... There is a lot to like about Coda. It is a really, really good execution of not just a coming-of-age movie, but also a, a culturally deaf story. Although Sean Hader, who directed and wrote herself, is not culturally deaf. She features a cast of people who are not just Marley Matlin and Troy Kotzer, but also Daniel Durant, who plays the, the son of this family. And Amelia Jones, I mean, not deaf herself, but did learn to communicate in sign language and, and put in the work. Honestly, she was robbed of a Best Actress nomination. And I've heard many people say, if this, if all of the love for CODA started around the time of Oscar nominations and not in the in-between between nominations and awards, she absolutely would have received the nomination had this sort of surge of momentum come its way earlier. She's excellent in this movie. I will say that, that my problem with CODA winning Best Picture is because partially I'm a wannabe snob, but also partially because when I think about Best Picture, and this is just me, when I think about Best Picture, I want a movie that I, I find to be an excellent film. I, that tells a good story, that is somewhat representative of the time period it's winning for. And of course, it is also, when I think about an excellent film, a movie that is that is is excellent across the board, not just in its storytelling or in its acting, but also in the way that it's shot, in the music for the movie, in the, the editing, the costumes, the makeup, the things that we celebrate at the Oscars. And from this batch of nominees, Dune and The Power of the Dog were my two favorites because of all those reasons I listed. Both of them were hugely nominated. Dune obviously went home with a wide array of trophies, and The Power of the Dog only won, unfortunately. And so that is why I'm a little bit disappointed. And I hate to be disappointed about a movie that I liked winning Best Picture, but I don't often think of Best Picture as being for my favorite, but rather a movie that kind of encapsulates those different things, sort of in this history-making element the Academy always a little bit self-congratulatorily strives for, and a movie that, that I enjoyed and want to win, obviously. So, so here's where, it's not that I push back, I just I just don't understand. Because you're someone who loves Grand Budapest Hotel. I love Grand Budapest Hotel. You love Grand Budapest Hotel more so than any other movie. That, so or more much. than any person I've heard loves that movie. <laughs> and yet you say that you would rather vote for Boyhood in 2014 than Grand Budapest Hotel. And that is what like, I disagree with how you view this category because I would rather someone vote for something they like than something they respect. But I love Boyhood. I liked and respected it. <laughs> That's the thing. I but, I think it would have been an incredible but, moment to, to but you give like Richard Grand Linklater Grand Budapest Hotel more. That's what I'm sure. saying. Like, why can't sure we I vote do. for the movies that we like more? I just explained my methodology. And I, there are I, people I, out there I, who I, think I differently. So <laughs> I know. Look. Look, to, to me, the best movie of this year by far was Nine Days. Like, 
100% Nine Days because it had the best performances to me. It had the best screenplay. It had the best directing. It had the most memorable concept. And I am upset that this movie was not seen enough for people to be like, let's give Edson Oda a nomination for screenplay. Let's give Winston Duke a nomination for actor. Let's give Zazie Beetz a nomination for actress. Or, um, I don't know, Zazie Beetz's boyfriend who, who was in this movie or fiance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, the dude in the beach. Oh, yeah, they're, they're I, I, that's funny. I forget his name as well. I love him, but for supporting actor. Anyway, and, and that upsets me. Like it, it really does. But I would rather be upset that people haven't seen this movie than upset that another movie that had it not been for Apple pushing for it, people might not see because it's so small is winning. And I think that's sadly a little bit of the just the business of awards because if Apple, you know, if you go back in time to Sundance and you go into the in the room in Apple and they decide to purchase Nine Days for distribution and not Coda, I think we can be in a world right now where Nine Days has just come off this astounding win in best best picture, best original screenplay, and best supporting actor or something. And sadly, a lot of these awards are made in the campaign, so they don't always celebrate the most financially successful movies, the most critically acclaimed movies, or the most technically sound movies, or a conflation of the three. But this is the reason this is the reason why the Academy Awards does the best that it can do. No matter what, unless you can divide yourself into 80 people and you have a hundred hours in the workday and you have a thousand days in the year. To watch all these movies. To watch every single movie and short film that comes out in a year, it's impossible. Right. And so campaigns to me, though they are a necessary evil. <laughs> In a way, you're hundred percent right. <laughs> I hate that it's true, but it is. Uh, and Christian, while I would love to spend more time waxing poetic about the Oscars and what we would change if we were in charge and maybe who should have won or who we would have nominated. I think that is where we have to wrap up our discussion. So folks listening along at home, we thank you for listening. And, and obviously we'd love to know your thoughts. I normally mention this in our outro, but of course, cinemadrippodcast at gmail.com is our email. We'd love to know your thoughts on the Oscars, especially if you were happy about the winners or sad and want to shout something out, give it a little bit more love before we really fully move on to 2022 in movies. Let's hear it. Cinemadrippodcast at gmail.com. Now, Christian, April is a new month, and that means that we have a new blend of the month to share. We did Batman last month, and it was a heck of a time, but Christian, you're in charge for April, so tell me and the listeners what we've got coming up. So my birthday is next week, and I was torn between two categories, and I decided to discard both of them in favor of something that celebrates the year of my birth, so we're <laughs> doing... Uh, 1997. In honor of the 25th anniversary of Christian Ubius. Let's go. <laughs> Want me to put a montage together of all the notable clips from your life? I'll get Sean White and Tony Hawk to introduce it. I would love that. Please have that on my desk in the morning. <laughs> so, Christian, do you want to share the three movies that are coming up, or do you want to go one at a time? So, we will for sure do Titanic, but that will be later on in the month. I don't think you can do 1997 and not do Titanic. Absolutely not. Talking about Best Picture winners especially. I mean, we'll have to get into the weeds on that one. But uh, we will start off with Men in Black, which is a movie that I have not seen. Incredible. <laughs> Incredible timing as well. We get to wade into Will Smith. But of course, one of his most iconic performances, and it's a movie that I have seen, Christian. And let me tell you, I'm excited that we're going to be talking about it. It's a really fun movie, and I hope you like it. So that will be coming up on the show next week. It is streaming on Fubo TV for all you Fubo fans out there. For all you out there, all of you ones of people or zeros of people. There are dozens Fubo of us. TV. Dozens. <laughs> 
but it is also rentable anywhere you can rent movies and likely you can borrow it from the library or a friend <laughs> more often than not it's a very commonly found movie so i mean also though this is march in april streaming services get new movies so check back in april it might be there to be fair Streaming services often try to adjust what they have available based on what's out in theaters and who's hot in the streets. And so with Will Smith winning an Oscar, <laughs> I am sure that somebody is going to put this on their streaming service, be it be it Hulu or Netflix or someone. So keep your eyes peeled for that. I'm sure it'll be available somewhere. And of course, that is our show. Uh, like I said, as always, we really sincerely appreciate listening along. We love putting these episodes together. It's just a good time talking about the movies and knowing that there are folks out there listening. So thank you for your support. There are a few things that you can do to help this podcast continue to grow. So number one, please do, excuse me, please do subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and leave us a rating and a review. We love to shout out our reviews on the show if they're nice, but I'll read a one-star review. If you want to leave it, go ahead. I ain't scared. And of course, I am. Don't do that. <laughs> but leave us five star reviews, please. And it does help us grow and reach new listeners. Obviously, as we grow in our, our own reputation there and grow in our own subscriber count, it helps us reach new listeners. You also can send an email to cinemadrippodcast at gmail.com. Not just your thoughts on the Oscars, but if you want us to cover a particular movie on the show or have an idea for a blend of the month, we have taken those into serious consideration and used them on the show before. We've had listeners come on the show after submitting their feedback. So please do send your thoughts to cinemadrippodcast at gmail.com. You can also follow Christian and myself on Letterboxd, where we're regularly rating and reviewing the things that we're watching. I am also on Twitter with the show. Please tweet at the show. We, we, we want you guys to engage on the socials. And you can follow Christian on Instagram. Christian, any final thoughts for the folks listening along at home? I saw Coda at Suntan, so I saw it before it was cool. Christian saw Coda before it was cool. Good job, Christian. I'm proud of you. And until next time, this has been the Cinema Drip Podcast. <laughs>